Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast Over Coffee. Today, my guest is stand-up comedian Srijan Kaushik. Srijan has been creating waves in the stand-up comedy circles with his poker-faced delivery of hilarious jokes. Not just that, he has an MBA from the Indian School of Business, one of India's premier institutes for management, and works full-time for International Finance Corporation, a private arm of the World Bank. We will touch on all this and more in this episode. So let's get into it without further delay. The advertising revenue from this episode will go to the Ocean Cleanup. Check out the org at www.theoceancleanup.com. It's www.theoceancleanup.com. Let's get into it. Hi, Srijan. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bala. Thank you for having me. Yeah, um, I was... Uh, looking you up on YouTube and what is so striking is that you only have seven, you know, seven videos uploaded on YouTube. Why, why so little? Uh, I think it's just a function of everybody has their own journey, but for me, it took some time to get comfortable with putting material out there. I had put out two videos sometime back, which did okay. And then I was planning to release a video just about when COVID hit. And I was not happy with that recording. So I wanted to record again. But then, of course, COVID happened and all those plans got delayed. And it just took some time to then post-COVID get back into the groove again and feel comfortable uh, recording more material. But I think now the more um, exposure I am getting to social media, I'm also developing a comfort around it. and. I'm okay with putting out more stuff now. So hopefully I'll uh, keep doing that more regularly now. That is at least the aim. Yeah, I think I think your first two videos have done way more than okay. I think when I when I saw last, one of them had like 4 million views and <coughs> the other had like 1.2 million views. And some mm. of the comments were pretty interesting. Okay, uh, comments that are not that seen in, in other people's um, other people's shows or or videos um one of one of them goes no loud voice no abusive words no self laughing full humor uh pretty sure you might have seen that then the second one is even funnier one uh, it says he has a virat kohli fa- face and a dhoni's voice <laughs> there's one more that was pretty interesting uh, it says the cool thing is he doesn't laugh while saying the jokes unlike other comedians uh yet we got them um my mm. question to you is um growing up you know when when you faced any sort of adversity in life were you always like super stoic about it like ah yeah of course it will happen to me or like were you always this poker faced guy uh poker face yes because i think uh, people in general have told me that uh, even in a work environment let's say an office work environment also i have been uh, informally given that feedback from colleagues that you know we are sometimes not sure if you're joking or you're being serious <laughs> i've had that before as well so i guess it's kind of natural to me and that ends up showing uh, in the videos as well i'm just trying to be myself and deliver uh, the jokes in the way that i could in that moment so yeah, that's how it shows. Yeah, so uh, when did you get started with uh, with stand-up comedy? Mm-hmm. Uh, 
were you always i mean it was not a thing i'm sure when you were like growing up in school there were not many competitions or open mics so uh, mm-hmm. was was it very similar to other comedians is that you just go show up in one random open mic and then you feel that you can do this yeah it was actually um series of maybe small steps spread over a period of time i would say so i used to watch a lot of stand up um more stand up as it's known in the west basically what like american comics and british comics but at the same time i've grown up in a household where uh, pakistani plays and indian stand up johnny liver uh, surendra sharma charlaina all that was also uh, i grew up seeing and hearing all that so that also you can you know it's not called stand up as such in india but it is stand up it is the same art form as such so yeah just been a fan of it um, and at the time when i used to watch i never really thought that you know i want to try this it was just more a fascination and appreciation of uh, these artists and then at some point uh, uh, started tinkering with it because i got to know in india you know i think i would say papa cj veerdas aib that sort of crowd early 2013 2010 2010 okay yeah. that's what my memory says to me yeah possible possible yeah and then i i remember bangalore is when i did my first open mic uh, which went okay then i did a couple more and then there was some competition i enrolled for and uh, i had to do an open mic to be selected for that which went well but the final competition which was i guess the top 2 or 3 performers opened for um, one of veer das's bangalore show and um, there i tanked pretty badly uh, so that was sort of a nice humbling moment then i didn't uh, do anything about it for a while i went for my mba in my college there were some talent shows where i tried you know doing 5 minutes here and there which went i would say okay again so it gave me the confidence ke you know theek hai matlab there will be off days as well but some nights have gone okay as well and post isb is when i thought that <clears throat> let me give this a decent shot and see where it goes because one fear was that i didn't want to later feel that you know i could have tried this and i didn't so i didn't want to feel that regret so <clears throat> i started doing open mics regularly and this would be 2014 so i would say regularly i started doing stand up uh, since 2014 but you still had a, a kind of a big opening before isp as well right uh, with the with the opening um uh, it was interesting i would say uh, it basically it was i think two to three open mics two of which went okay and basis that i got to perform uh, like a five minute spot to open for veerdas which was horrible uh, so yeah mixed bag <laughs> how was how was the how was the reaction i mean the reaction from the audience mm-hmm. was was pretty obvious but uh, but how mm-hmm. was the reaction from like the people who who had invited you for uh, for the opening <laughs> and nothing i think they are they understand they're sympathetic uh, but you know nobody there is nothing to say right you you've not yeah. done well and the competition was over everybody uh, went their own way after that and i had invited some friends as well so i was just kind of i wanted to not be seen for a while you know i had uh, i was feeling uh, like that so but yeah I, it, nothing too dramatic i mean it just 
uh, after that, you know, life happened. I went to uh, do my MBA. So I got caught up in that and then started tinkering with it again. And finally, post MBA, I started doing mics regularly. Hmm. A, a lot is not known about your background. I mean, I know the fact that <clears throat> you were raised in multiple cities, if that's right. But I would love to know uh, your Rajasthan connection, Delhi connection, Gujarat undergrad and all of that. Just sure. go for it. Uh, yeah. So grew up in Delhi, um, in a joint family initially. My father's family is from Delhi, uh, from at least a couple of generations. My mother is from um, now Jharkhand. So um, they were both officers in a government bank. So they used to uh, get transferred a lot. But I grew up in Delhi with my, you know, grandmother, aunt and uncle Bua and Chacha. Uh, and then when I was eight, I shifted to Jaipur. So I would say I grew up basically in Delhi and Jaipur. Post that, uh, did my undergrad in Gujarat. Uh, worked for four years in Bangalore, then MBA Hyderabad, and then back to Delhi. Yeah, now. Why Gujarat uh, after after growing up in Delhi? Oh, that's the only college I got in, so <laughs> I had to go there. <laughs> as as simple as that. Um, right. Um, so so I mean, and, and and you crack ISB, which is a very difficult college to crack. Um, uh, I guess, but a uh, lot of it is just, I believe, luck and timing also. But yeah, I did manage to go there. Eventually. That's awesome. How was how was that experience like? Great. Uh, it's a very interesting one-year uh, full-time MBA program. It's residential on campus. So, and I think average work experience was about four and a half years at the time. So, Average age of people is, you know, 26, 27 plus, you know, you have those deviations also. So some people in their 30s and some are sort of younger 20s. So it's interesting to see people at that age in a college environment, right? Residential on campus. So it feels like um, adults in college, basically. That's how I would describe it as compared to my undergrad years. So a lot of fun, uh, very intense year. Uh, I didn't make it academically as intense as uh, other people. Uh, so, you know, if you want to get into consulting, you have to really crack your grades right from the start. Uh, I wasn't really interested in that. I just was more into, you know, making friends, doing extracurriculars, also somehow surviving academics. So very interesting one year. Uh, made some very good connections, which I am... Uh, still in touch with so i'm thankful for that as well yeah do you know what makes isb unique other than the fact that it's you know it, it gives admit to people with <clears throat> a little more work experience compared to like an iam and right. um and gmat is the uh right. sort of the uh, entry criteria right um so so when you made friends with people from other mba colleges do you know what is what made isb unique or I don't, I don't think about things too much like that. You know, every college has their own unique thing. And personally, I have not experienced any other college. So it's not fair for me to compare ISB to any other place. But I think the main difference is around that point that you mentioned that it's a slightly older profile of people, people who have worked in some industry or the other. So I think that just inculcates a certain maturity i think you have just worked and it's 
more easy to apply what you're learning at school because you can kind of connect it to what you have worked upon on paper, although sometimes it doesn't happen at all. Uh, and apart, I'm, I don't know what distinguishes ISB, but uh, we, I, I'm, we had like good faculty. I think a lot of intelligent people around me. It's very humbling also, you, you know, you, uh, if you think you are a big shot, you will, you know, you will feel quite humbled with the company at that school. So, and all in all, great, we had very good facilities. Um, so, you know, it felt like uh, the campus and the institution did whatever they could have to make sure that you utilize your time well, and then it's really up to you what you make of it. Yeah, uh, any, any interesting uh, differences in cities. I mean, like an Ahmedabad versus Delhi. I know you you know more about Delhi uh, compared to any other city, right? Because you grew up there. But uh, mm. any stark differences in culture between Delhi and uh, Gujarat and say something like a Hyderabad? Definitely, definitely. Uh, you know, at the time, I may have felt different things about different cities, but in retrospect, uh Gujarat is a very friendly, welcoming culture. Uh, Delhi also is, but Gujarat is a little different. And I think I was in Gandhinagar, which is like this administrative capital there. So fairly, uh, I, I would say at the time, compared to a big city, Gandhinagar is kind of a little more basic compared to that. So a uh, fairly humble little city. Uh, we were mostly on campus all the time, but made like great friends. It was a, a fantastic four years. Again, didn't do very well academically, <laughs> but um, you know, it's also your first time away from home. Uh, at least it was for me. So it's really that you're experiencing that um, freedom in that sense for the first time. And you're taking care of yourself and things like that, uh, you know, you're more in charge for your own fate. That's that's the first time you feel like that. And uh, Ahmedabad, I didn't really get to experience much, but uh, very fond of, again, um, Gandhinagar, Ahmedabad and Gujarat, the four years I spent there. Hyderabad, again, uh, couldn't experience much of the city, was mostly on campus. But I loved the city whenever I stepped out. Uh, surprisingly, I mean, it was a shock for me. It had very pleasant weather, except for uh, two months, I would say, in summer. Uh, the city has great weather, or at least when I did my MBA, it was very pleasant and nice. So I, it was great. You know, you could, uh, from that perspective, it was great. Lovely food. People also mostly were quite nice. And um, I've also spent four years in South India and Bangalore before my MBA which uh, which I loved. Uh, that was my first time living in South India. And I guess uh, while I grew up in North, I never felt that, you know, or too strongly attached to that identity that, you know, I'm from the North and this is South and it's different. I was just kind of open to what that city offered. And by the end of four years, I perhaps feel that I almost converted to be yeah, in the south, I, used to love the food and culture and everything. Yeah, like yeah. I think I think it's very common with uh, with kids whose whose parents were working in banks. Uh, my dad used to work work in a bank, and you know we moved around places. So there is certain identity crisis, if I may call, um, mm. where you know you are not emotionally that attached to a city, and mm. you sort of feel like the the people you meet or the people you uh, sort of engage with in the city 
kind of make the place what it is um uh, and and, yeah. and sort sort of a good way in a good way you know we all can adapt to a new place or a new language Definitely. pretty fairly easily uh, i think more than identity crisis for i would say it was identity shaping uh, oh yeah that, that's a good way to put it yeah 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 identity crisis is, is quite quite the negative, negative i mean i didn't it. personally feel that i was going through a crisis i was it was all new and uh, it felt good i didn't feel like there was any conflict between me and my environment so and it was new so it just felt interesting and new and nice but but do you now sometimes feel that you know let's say 4 to 5 years you spend in a city and you're like i'm bored i need a change has you know moving no, around by no, uh, not really i think since i've been in delhi we uh, i moved here in 2013 again uh so i've been here 10 years i never not, not really had that itch to settle anywhere else as such but at the same time if you know that happens in life then i i'll take it as it comes yeah i mean interesting you bring about uh the fact that hyderabad has good weather you know that it's the first time someone's says that uh, it is definitely pleasant in the winter but yeah like you said two, two months think, yeah, in the summer i think yeah two months in the summers were not good but we were also mostly either in class or you know in our rooms maybe so maybe i am a little biased yeah. but yeah you can check this from others also i hope <laughs> yeah i i think hyderabad hyderabad is a city of um like what i have felt is it is a city of contrast uh, i don't know how much mm-hmm. you got to explore the old city part of hyderabad but it's it's like so different yeah not yeah i unfortunately could not do much of that yeah it has it has great food uh, highly recommended yeah. a lot of um, especially if you're a non vegetarian you you will love it uh, but even even for vegetarians it's it's pretty nice i mean there are these yeah. um they call it bundi um the, these carts uh, which which sell right idli and uh, those uh, near our campus also i uh, i maybe i don't know technically correct or not but in bangalore i really grew fond of uh, andhra thali these vegetarian thalis when i was living in bangalore so i was all looking forward to that a lot when i shifted there yeah so it's a, it's there. actually funny like in bangalore andhra thali is more popular i don't know if karnataka <laughs> thali is a thing but andhra meals and andhra messes are more popular right. in bangalore yeah so they were just called andhra meals i'm not sure if they actually or how accurately andhra meals they were but <laughs> yeah and i think i think bangalore also has this uh, this thing called tindi tindis which is which are these small breakfast place where yeah darshinis i guess also they are called yeah so there is taza tindi is one of them uh, yeah, where you can darshini. have your breakfast and awesome filter coffee and they are uh, available every 100 meters or so it seems i i used to love them yeah i mean they are like very clean but at the same time yeah. it's not like sit down or anything like you have to stand and no it eat. was perfect you know on the way to office early in the morning a fresh breakfast clean place uh, stand and eat and you know off off you go yeah very very budget friendly as well oh definitely very very true yeah so um so you spoke about uh, open mics uh, that that you were a part of uh, after isb right uh, and this whole uh, i mean we'll come to that with the which is the rising up the ranks and sort of growing in popularity but before isb when you when you did the open mic did you have the 
you know, concept of uh, how do I put it, you know, scripting and editing and delivery, like how much, how much of a knowledge you were lacking and what do you think changed after ISB? Uh, would you like to take us through that? Yeah, more than knowledge, it was just the idea of going on stage, uh, strangers looking at you and your goal was to make them laugh. Just that initially is a very daunting prospect, uh, especially the first few times that you do it. So once I went through a few of those, it's not really knowledge, I feel. It's just getting comfortable on stage, either doing well or not doing well, but just uh, getting used to that feeling of, okay, that I just like being on stage, even if it's in retrospect, even if it didn't go well, I hopefully learned something from that. So you just keep doing that. Then your writing becomes a little better. You start figuring out what works, what doesn't work. You slowly, slowly build your set. And once you start doing 15 minutes, 30 minutes, that's when you, so there's always that next goal sort of on the way and it just kind of never stops so that process if you start liking that's what then kind of uh gets you through it all i think but but even initially you were comfortable with the scripting part of it like you were you knew what to do before delivery uh so i probably not so like i would write uh because i was not confident about it going well i would try and write as much as i could so that I get comfortable with the material. But then there would be things like, you know, you it's one thing to write and perhaps memorize it. But when you go on stage, suddenly you go blank. You miss certain chunks and segments because you're just panicking sometimes. But still you get enough of like or two, three chuckles or some laughs where you're like, okay, there is something in there that I can explore. And then you just get more comfortable with it. And uh, yeah, you start seeing some improvements hopefully in your craft and yeah hmm. so uh so after hyderabad was next delhi your next destination yeah i moved uh, here after my mba and uh yeah since i've been here since then yeah so so all the all, all the open mics post that was was in delhi uh, in delhi then um started uh visiting some other cities as well so mumbai uh, I would do Delhi, Mumbai quite a lot. Uh, I yeah, Mumbai is probably the second most visited city of mine uh, for performing stand-up comedy. Then a few you start doing some corporate gigs, uh, some other shows in other cities. Yeah, so that's basically the journey. But I predominantly spent most of my time still in Delhi. Okay, uh, but but you know, comparing Delhi and Mumbai, which which one do you think is the stand-up comedy capital is it is it more mumbai from i mean maybe mumbai depends i think on whom you ask i think um industry wise and in terms of uh career paths which lead from stand-up into say writing sketch work or even films then bombay obviously mumbai is the place to be in but delhi i also i strongly feel that has a very good stand-up comedy scene uh most of the People here with that I have seen, they have just they are fans of stand-up and they start doing stand-up. And then that career thing kicks in that okay, I can go to Mumbai or I can do something uh, this or that. So a lot of people do go to Mumbai, but Delhi, you get to see that initial phase where they are just like pure uh stand-up comics and uh, not really thinking about, you know, I have to do this or that after that. So that way yeah. Delhi is good. 
Yeah, I mean, the reason why I asked this question is a, a lot of stand-up comedians move to Mumbai. And I was wondering if <clears throat> you have that plan. Uh, uh, yeah, to each his own. I think people who uh, venture into stand-up comedy full-time, then moving to Mumbai makes sense because you need, obviously, uh, you know, your uh, this, this is your... Uh, a source of income also right if this is your primary source of income then you want more opportunities so mumbai that way is offers more opportunities for sure but i uh wasn't really depending on this for uh income so i have have a day job still so this i'm more exploring just for my own uh, you know sake of uh exploring the craft and seeing where this goes as of now yeah yeah that that's that's interesting because uh, you know managing work and uh, you know the scripting part is probably the most daunting part right of 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 stand up comedy uh, at least from what i've heard but um, how let's say if you want to do a 15 minute versus a, a full length show uh, what is the approximate time that you spend spend in scripting really depends um personally for me it's ta- uh, if you see but on average it's taken me more time to develop material compared to others I feel some comics that you would have seen uh, who have really shot up in fame and they do also produce new material at a very high frequency I think for me it was more slow and gradual so 15 minutes there's no timeline as such but for the first 30 minutes i would say i it took me about i would say three to four years three three years yeah and then it just like you know 30 may say 10 moves out new 10 comes in then you add more 30 and even when i say one hour a lot of it i feel would be a little weak maybe 60 or 70 percent there so you can do one hour but uh there is no timeline as such how much time it takes to right right i mean the reason why i asked this question is i was i was talking to a uh, so i'm based in the bay area and i was talking to a local uh, stand up comedian who is you know friends with uh, this tamar stand up comedian i can't call him tamar stand up comedian but alex alexander uh, okay. he's he's pretty popular and uh, uh, according to him alex takes like 6 weeks off i mean and he does comedy full time. So it takes him six weeks to come up with a 10 minute. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I was like, wow, that is so daunting. It's like so much of editing and iterations. It also and- depends, you know, sometimes uh, if you're in a, depends, sometimes there is a better creative flow. So you may find that you have developed minutes quicker. Sometimes it takes longer because you are stuck in a rut or you like, have a writer's block or God knows, you know, there are so many other reasons, but uh, that sounds about reasonable to me. What, yeah. What, yeah. 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 And, and with respect to uh, the comedy genre, um, you know, a, a lot of people comment that your comedy is clean um, and uh, no abusive words and, and, and whatnot. It's, d- do you want to identify yourself uh, in in a particular genre, uh, I I think most of them comment that yours is a very, very yours is very anecdotal in nature, right. which I don't agree because 
almost all the comedians have some like how else are you going to create comedy right it it has to be with your experience or uh, you know family members or uh, right. you know take a dig at that odd uncle who <laughs> who was a who was a pain in the uh, pain in the neck or whatever so uh, is there a genre that that you're thinking of is your strong suit or uh, you just want to explore everything no no i think it's uh, too early for me to say that you know this is my genre not i've so not explored so much yet so i wouldn't want to confine myself to a genre also it feels i feel this is all retrospective you know in the moment when you're creating a joke you are not thinking of you know, genre or um, observational comic or you know quality it just a thought comes to you you work on it and somehow you think it's funny and then you test it out that's the process it's later on you can say that oh this was observational or this was political and all that so i do think that sometimes you overanalyze uh, these things so i don't necessarily think of genres as such when i'm doing jokes it never strikes me yeah and i think i think if you if you think more about the genre then it sort of stems the natural flow right yeah like uh, you may want to write something which is great uh, but at the same time you're like oh i have done something similar before so yeah. but it it may still work but then you will sort of stop yourself from writing it and delivering it one thing i am curious about is uh, that you know i don't i appreciate the fact that people like that the comedy is clean but uh, i'm not like wedded to the cleanliness of comedy so i may uh, I, i think i leave that room open that i may do uh, some jokes which are not clean so i wonder how people will react <laughs> yeah i mean i'm i'm sure they uh, they they like it i think i think one of the videos did have you know yeah, uh, yeah. one yeah, or two things i mean i think uh, people people are fine uh, but you know sometimes it's a it's a fine line right like some comedians uh, at least from what i've noted go uh, like way too overboard uh, yeah. so it's it's probably about striking a balance i think people are it also depends if... on the medium see when you're doing comedy live say in a bar uh, it's a very different vibe and you know curse words and all really goes nobody has any objection but youtube uh, what i realize is you kind of don't realize when you're doing comedy in a bar say you record that video put it on youtube it's a completely different audience uh, of all age groups and then obviously uh, a lot of people may not be okay with abusive language or they prefer clean and this and that so i just think it's the nature of the medium as well and who is watching your stand up um youtube then sometimes i also feel when i'm watching certain sets where i'm like okay dude like yeah lot of abusive uh, language i don't have a problem with it but i get that that you know it's not for everybody's taste yeah uh, so there's this youtuber called mr who's the boss he does tech reviews and 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 he's pretty popular so there was a q and a that that he was a uh, that he had uh, and one of the questions was like why are you so clean you know you don't use uh, abusive words and what not and and the answer that he said is pretty similar to what what you did uh, what you said along those lines that is um is that like if i like i am a youtuber and if i use abusive language then you know it's not going to be shown to kids and i am completely eliminating that um sort yeah. of yeah uh diaspora right or not diaspora but like that that age group uh agreed so uh, and, and he does tech reviews and and 
you know kids yeah. are like sort of adolescent ages when you develop uh, uh, a liking for tech so he just does not want to eliminate that uh, strata of population right. so also there is a as you said that something struck me that uh the goal is also different tech review he can curate the content with a certain audience's mind i can also do that as a comic but the original thought may have had uh, abusive words in it when it came to me and you know so i may feel like that is what is the funny in that so why do i stop saying that i may want to just say that the way it came to me but then i understand that that's not to everybody's liking and one thing i do like about the fact which surprised me was that when people said that you know i can i watched your video with my family um, not to make you know a very that uh, oh i did this and all but that felt nice to hear that oh okay that's cool like you could watch that with your family that's nice yeah yeah I, but again you know like when you when you turn on a video you just don't know where where it's going exactly <laughs> so uh, uh, probably not the best idea but yeah yeah it must have definitely felt nice i'm sure um so <laughs> yeah so uh with um you know you you know with stand up comedies starting to get huge in india uh what are what are some of the steps um or, or maybe you can talk uh, talk to talk to me about your your journey as such like what is the step when you realize that you are good at it and you are sort of rising up the ranks uh is it is it that like you said the chuckle uh, from the audience or or the burst out in laughter or you know let's say a, a standing ovation by the end of the show that that gives you that sort of adrenaline or or validation that hey you know i'm i'm pretty good at it that last one i wouldn't know about because it's not happened to me the <laughs> the other things uh, yes uh, i think for me now things are also very different from when i started comedy that was 2014 let's say regularly when i started comedy there was no um there was no atmosphere of i need to put out a video on youtube as such it was more people were doing comedy and for us we had like very local goals that oh, i want to do 15 minutes at this club we had um comedy clubs back then canvas laugh club was like very famous and one of the holy grails for a comic back then was to get a 30 minute lineup gig at canvas laugh club mumbai so with it would be a three comic lineup 30 30 minutes each and uh, it was a fantastic room great audience so that was like the main goal at the time but now if you look at a stand up comic then it's like okay uh, i need a reel i need a video otherwise you don't get spots so it's become more of that uh you so for me signs that i was getting better was you know the feedback from the audience you also um you have your peer group of comics uh and you get a feel for you know are they liking your material or not so some feedback comes from there and then if you start getting those 10 minute spots 20 minute spots and eventually you know canvas laugh club would call you that you know we would want you to do a lineup so that was the ultimate sort of validation that oh okay that i'm doing okay yeah yeah i i think one of the one of the things that uh, uh, you mentioned is is the reviews from your peer peer group right like yeah. peer comedians uh, I, one thing I, that i've noted is there is so much of good camaraderie between uh, between stand up comedians like they are they are open to collaboration and they they do way more collaboration than probably any any entertainment industry that i've known um 
do, yeah. do, do you think that's the case? Like, do, do you get to collaborate that's a lot? That's an with... interesting one. I think uh, I haven't tried collaborating with anybody on content because somehow it didn't come naturally to me, the thought that I should collaborate. But I, of course, in India, at least there have been so many examples of comics collaborating, uh, AIBs. Uh, Random Chicky Bum. Yeah, and all of that. So again, to each his own. Um, but yeah, I have not had that feeling that it's for me, it has been a very individual um, craft that ways. Right, right. Um, so we touched on the comedy part. Uh, we'll come back to it. Um, but now I would love to know about your full time job. It's very interesting, which is why I want to touch on it. Uh, you work for IFC. And it's part of World Bank, uh, and it works on eradicating poverty. <laughs> uh, uh, tell me, tell me a bit about that. It's it's very interesting. And how did you uh, get into this? Uh... So my first job before my MBA was, um, if you're familiar with uh, the concept of microfinance, which is basically small loans to low income households. Primarily, um, uh, yeah, I know that from uh, Grameen Bank. And right. Yunus, so, yeah. Professor Mohammad Yunus is the one who championed the Grameen model of group lending. Yeah. And uh, at some point after my engineering, uh, I gravitated towards that and ended up working in a job in microfinance for four years before my MBA which sort of set that grounding for what I wanted to do post my MBA. So I was clear that I wanted to um, be in a job which was connected to development finance, basically. That's the term used for this and connected fields. And post MBA also, the I had taken some money from a family connection, so I had to repay that also. And so there is that financial incentive to also take care of, you know, uh, my first job was not that well paying, but still not bad. But um, post MBA, the financial considerations are a little bit different. So IFC afforded me that opportunity where I could continue working in development finance. I joined uh, a team at IFC, which was looking for somebody with experience in microfinance. So I kind of lucked out, uh, got that job. And yeah, I've been here since then. But but what does IFC do? Uh, like oh, from sorry. A, yeah. yeah, from a consumer, let, let's say I wanna, <clears throat> or I'm poor, or I'm a I'm a I'm a farmer who owns uh, not a huge piece of land. Um, what can what can I do uh, to seek right. help from IFC? So perhaps I can try connecting it through my own experience. So my first job, Ujjivan uh, Financial Services, it's a, now a small finance bank based out of uh, Bangalore. So if you're a low-income household or let's say a farmer that you said, uh, an institution like Ujjivan would be your go-to point for um, getting access to loans, let's say. Because uh, one problem with low-income households is they don't have formal collateral against which you can take a loan from the bank. So financial institutions don't end up lending to that segment because there is no business case there without the collateral. And... Uh, Mohammed Yunus kind of showed that model that you can, without collateral, also lend successfully to these people. Uh, so that's what Ujjivan does. IFC, I would say, is on the other end of the spectrum. So where companies like Ujjivan, they need um, they need debt, equity, they need finances to grow their business. 
they also sometimes may need uh, consulting advice around strategy or operations or which products to launch and things like that so ifc does more of that and so uh, mm -hmm. so, so, so you, it's it's basically a for profit microfinance no so it is a uh, so it's a different category of institutions called multilateral institutions so world bank group as a whole has uh, uh, the public sector lending arm which is commonly referred to as world bank but actually the components of that are ibrd and ida that together is called the world bank that does public sector lending and ifc is the private sector lending arm of the world bank group okay so uh you work as an operations officer what does an operations officer <laughs> do uh with the ifc yeah these titles are funny now that i think about it uh it's like um you can think of it uh compared to a, a typical consulting org structure where you start out as an analyst associate manager and so on and so forth ifc has its own vertical structure uh, so before operations officer, I was associate and before that I was analyst. So I'm now at that. Uh, I don't know what it would correspond to on the consulting side of things, but just to give you some idea. Of... Yeah, I mean, what was really striking was on IFC's website. I mean, I could be wrong. It may not be IFC's own website, but there is a mention about you that someone is, Srijan mm. uh, uh, is working um working on stand-up comedy while having a full-time job it's probably the first time an employer has advertised um sort of moonlighting uh yeah. they, they seem to be ex extremely supportive of of this which is great to see i would i would like more employers yeah to do i've that. been uh, very grateful for that actually uh all the supervisors managers i worked with uh, they knew about this hobby of mine back then now i think it's like my second job uh, and they were very supportive. Plus, we have this, um, you know, it's transparent. They know that I'm doing this and it's fine. And uh, on the website, I think they, uh, the, the communications team, they try to basically showcase different profiles of staff working at IFC across different countries. So I happen to get selected for one feature like that. Oh, it's like what you kind saw. of, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's also it's also a nice thing uh, for the employer, right? That you know there are diverse interests working for them, and diverse people with diverse interests working for them, and that sort of promotes. Um, yeah, I I don't know what what the reason might be. No, but, I but... see that way is a, is a a pretty diverse melting pot of people from different cultures, nationalities, uh, which for me is an advantage getting access to that so yeah it's i guess a part of that they want yeah. to showcase profiles yeah yeah absolutely uh and coming back to comedy so is is your uh stint with comedy mostly like a like a weekend affair uh no not any no no not a weekend affair it's like uh on average in a month including open mics and sports and one hour gigs and all that maybe 10 to 12 nights and evenings i'm doing stand-up uh including the weekend so yeah it's like a weekday affair as well now not just weekend yeah uh oh okay that's that's pretty interesting um <laughs> so but but i think i think it kind of helps that uh you know these shows are usually in the evenings post work so yeah 
um that definitely helps uh, definitely if, yeah of if course you're, if you're a singer you know if you if you give concerts i think that's that's an advantage as well agreed agreed that definitely helps yeah so 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 while writing i mean i think you have been doing comedy for what Seven years, like seriously, is that is that a fair? Oh no, uh, two thousand four, ten, uh, or I ten years? No, yeah, yeah. Like while while writing, uh, has it happened? I'm I'm sure it has happened. Like you, uh, you may feel like the there is a writer's block, or you know, I'm just not able to come up with, uh, with more comedy, or or it's hmm. just not feeling that I'm gonna get the right amount of giggles and 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 chuckles for for this piece. how do you sort of overcome that um or you just give yourself time and just you know take a break and and it it all comes together yeah i think in my experience the less i over analyze it and the less i think about it uh, it takes care of itself you know the more you get into you start worrying about it then i it doesn't help my creativity for sure so yeah there'll be ups and downs and good nights and bad nights which is fine um, i don't really have a goal as such about it i'm just exploring it and seeing where it goes and then trying to just enjoy that that that's what i'm trying to do right now oh that's that's great uh, what what are your future plans next steps uh, i mean i'm sure you know you you mentioned that you have like 10 to 12 uh, shows uh, a month so that's 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 a that's a lot of lot of them but yeah. um some of them maybe just 5 7 minutes somewhere but yeah it's yeah well uh, okay yeah but but yeah. what are what are your next plans uh on uh main next goal contract? is to uh, start regularly doing one hour shows which are called solos typically uh so i feel i've reached that point where i want to now start doing one hour shows and for that you need a captive audience right people need to know who you are so that they can buy tickets for your shows uh and for that you need you know social media presence and a, basically a reach so in the, if i have to put a goal it will be to regularly do one hour shows and for that i need uh regular content and engagement with audience and uh, hopefully a growing of audience so that i can regularly do one hour shows currently it's sort of hit and miss you know one show i am able to sell tickets but one matlab it's not enough that i can do them regularly without worrying about log aayenge ki nahi so that's probably the immediate next goal for me right and about these one hour shows uh how does it work meaning do people reach out to you or do do you go to people and like put out this proposal that hey you know i'm i'm good enough and and look at my previous work and uh yeah no. both That's... ways both ways uh you obviously over the years you develop a profile you if you have to send it to somebody there is like a formal document and some snippets of my work that i can share otherwise uh, people reach out to you from cities uh, now in india at least we have uh, you know stand up comedies happening in tier 2 tier 3 cities as well with comics performing there so sometimes they reach out so i have seen people get in touch with comics and easily organize shows in whichever city they want to otherwise there are now event management firms and companies also in this business so you can get signed on by one of these firms as one of their talents and then they will take care of the marketing pr and getting gigs for you and all that okay that's great uh, so so us is supposedly the the stand up uh... 
i would say like that, that this is where stand up comedy sort of originated in its uh, present form right um and and people do talk about a lot of heckling and and all of that in in shows uh is that prominent in india i have not attended a stand up show in india but uh mm. how, how do you rate the 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 standard of audience uh, I, i mean it's it's probably wrong to call it standard of audience but like yeah. have you been heckled and have you sort of lost your plot where uh, you're you're like oh my god what is next and and just sort I of left stranded uh, lost my plot yet thankfully it also hasn't happened a lot uh i have seen it happen um, and you know sometimes uh, it's also not intentional like for example this is where delhi mumbai in my experience differ a little bit mumbai the audience tends to stay quiet delhi the audience is more participative <laughs> sometimes they feel like or oh, it could just be a uh, reaction to your joke or maybe they are watching stand up for the first time they probably don't know that you know it's not the best idea to not be quiet during a performance so you just take it in your stride and try to have fun with it one um, it also depends on your stage character right so if there are certain comics who can who have the serious persona and that is what is funny about them so they are doing serious dark stuff if somebody like that loses his or her plot he can recover from that stay in character and continue but if i am doing like uh, jokes on autos and maybe there is this bubbly personality to me and suddenly i get very angry then i can't get back into this nice jovial mode again it looks fake or i have lost that you know momentum which i had built so it's better to address whatever is going on in your natural character that you're doing your jokes in and so far it nothing nasty has happened uh, so it's really been a non issue i would say for me at least okay okay that's that's great um so well we hope that you grow as 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 a stand up com uh, stand up comic and you have more and more shows uh, i know this one hour show thing will be a next stepping stone and i hope you do more tours and 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 get specials uh, but but it was such a great great time talking to you srijan and i i wish you all the very best uh, likewise wala thank you for reaching out uh, and you know doing this spending this one hour with me appreciated it thank you yeah thank you